0: Everyone, this is Brian Reisman welcoming you to episode seven of Side Jams, the podcast devoted to people's outside passions and hobbies. My latest guest is guitar maestro Chris Caffrey, who is known for his work with Trans Siberian Orchestra, Sabotage, Spirits of Fire, and his solo albums. Outside of his musical adventures, Chris is involved with three different enterprises. For nearly a decade, he's been a partner in the hot sauce company High River Sauces, which is known for flavors like Tears of the Sun, Fufu Mama Chew, and Grapes of Wrath. He also sells art that he makes from sea glass, everything from a ginger bird house to a guitar piece inspired by two Sabotage album covers. And his stuffed animal mascot, Wilbur the metalfins has become a social media celebrity that has spawned a line of 300 different items. Clothing, clocks, glasses, school supplies, you name it. Many proceeds from these latter two endeavors go to children's Cancer and Elephant Sanctuary charities. You can learn more about all of them at chriscaffrey.com or through his and Wilbur's Facebook pages. Yes, Wilbur has his own Facebook page. I called Chris at his home in Orange County, New York via Skype to discuss all of these things with him, and he showed as much passion and enthusiasm for these endeavors as he does for his music. It's clear that all of his pursuits bring him a lot of joy. Well, hello, Chris. Thanks for being on Jams. No,
1: thanks for having me.
0: It's interesting, because I heard about the hot sauce business that you have, but then also now you have... You're doing sea glass artwork and jewelry. So you have a couple of different things. You're a a metal entrepreneur.
1: I always like creating something. And it's funny because all these things just tend to be a little bit of a form of art in some way. I mean, that stuff with the hot sauce, I've been cooking since I was a little kid. I think when I was about 10 or 11, maybe even younger, my mother was working a job and my father was working his full time job. So in the house, there was really nobody that cooked. Right. So that responsibility was left on to me as far as the all the ingredients were put there. And it was like, go ahead and you're you're the cook. But I so I kind of learned from that. And I took that into when I I moved away from my home when I was about 18, I I just started cooking and, and the hot food was something I learned more about as I traveled. You really didn't see a whole lot of hot anything, you know, when I was young, 150 years ago, but I mean, it, <laughs> it,
0: uh, it was very
1: rare. I mean, you would have a few spicy things at a Chinese restaurant. You might have, you know, your crushed red pepper for your pizza or your pasta, but it was pretty rare. But then when I got on the road and I started seeing Indian food and, you know, spicy chicken wings of different levels and things like that, you just, you ran into things that were hotter. And I always, Enjoyed eating that food, and eventually, one of my friends had actually taught me how to make a hot sauce. And he um, he passed away recently, but he was a oh, real, wow. real master at this. And he never even released his sauces publicly. He really? always had great recipes, but he he just never wanted people to know what he was doing. And, I, and he barely even showed me, but he showed me how you know to boil your and make your peppers and turn it into sauce. So I started making that, and it was actually when. Steve Seabury was handling some personal management for me on my first solo records that I was meeting him for a meeting and I was also meeting one of my other friends in New York City to drop him off some of my hot sauce and everything just happened in the same restaurant and people tried the hot sauce on that and Steve you know, he was looking, he's a a very, very, very good salesman. He was looking for ways and certain things to sell with some of the tours he was promoting and working on. And he actually wound up watching what I was doing. He kind of made some hot sauce and put that into one of the the merch booths at some of the metal shows and people really liked it. And then he had his hellacious sauce and we just started working and, and he put together High River and that's how That whole thing came out. And with that, I mean, it's it's kind of is a lot like music in that industry. When you make sauces, people really the critics are sometimes worse with you than they are with music, (laughs) because I think everybody has different taste buds, even more so than people have different tastes in music. And, you know, a lot of people actually uh, differences, I think, too. I mean, critics usually can't play music, but a lot of people that critique cooking our cooks and mm. uh, everybody can cook i don't care who we are somebody could stick something in a frying pan and burn it i mean it's it's really not that difficult to cook it's it's um, cooking is one of these things where you just need to pay attention and 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 use the proper proper you know spices and, and temperatures and, and utensils. It's not something that you spend years and years and years playing like music. So you know the sauces were coming out and they've done very well. And, and Steve's really brought High River to a, a different level. I mean we're probably one of the most fastest developing hot sauce companies in the country. And, and little by little the sauces are making it into larger grocery store chains and. And the uh, High River sauces sponsored expos are going all over the country. So we kind of went. It was funny at first. Me and Steve would show up at these expos, and the hot sauce people didn't like us because they were there working on hot sauce for years and years and years. And all of a sudden, these two long hairs showed up selling sauce, and we'd have all these lines. <laughs> we'd have all these lines at our booths because people were interested in seeing who we were. So the first initial reaction to Steve and the High River and me was kind of like, "Oh, these guys." And then eventually. You know, Steve wound up take kind of taking over the business. Now everybody's friends with us, so that that whole thing has changed. But I mean, it was it was funny with the, the other stuff that I'm doing. They all kind of merged together in some way. I had gotten this little stuffed elephant as a gift from you know, one of my exes in my life. It was probably one of the only good things I ever got out of that thing. But I, I got <laughs> um I got this stuffed elephant, and I used to go on the road and and or travel and take pictures of that elephant being places and doing things. And that just became something that whenever I put them up, people liked it. I'm one of these people that I hate photos as much as there are some people that love selfies and they like photo shoots and all these other things. I mean, I always consider that something that I'm just not really that, I don't know. I've never I never was into photo shoots, even when I was 21, where every single photo you had was good, even if it stunk. So now it's like 30 (laughs) years later, your percentage of great photos has gone down. And, and, you know, everybody wants a photo of everything. But I I never was really into that. Even when I traveled, I always thought it was better for me just to take pictures of the places I went instead of me in the places I went, because a lot of the people I knew didn't have a chance to travel. So I didn't want to sit there and kind of make it seem like, look at me here where you can't go. You know, (laughs) I feel like. Yeah, Yeah showing pictures of that. So this Elephant Wilbur, he wound up being in all these photos and it just became really popular. So I developed his own web page, which got really big. But then I also started selling guitar string bracelets that had elephants on it through his site. And I was giving money to, to children's char- charities and the elephant sanctuary with that. That then I was actually in Florida doing some yearly crews and, and shows with the with an orchestra that I played with called the Jimmy Sturr Orchestra. This guy's actually won 18 Grammys in Polka wow. and he puts on some pretty big events every year. So I, I would stay down at his condo at a really cool room overlooking you know the Atlantic Ocean and they had a different schedule to me every day. And I just started wandering down the beach. And my initial thing was to find, I liked finding shark's tooth because they were really difficult to find. And I was looking and I was eventually finding one, but one of his neighbors was like, have you found sea glass? And I'm like, well, what do you mean? He's like the glass on the beach. And I didn't really, I mean, I'd seen that my whole life, but I never realized just what a culture there was to see glass. And then one day I was out looking and this lady was looking in the tides and I'm like, what are you looking for? I'm looking for glass. And I found this one piece of green and I gave it to her. And I was like, oh, it wasn't too difficult to find that. But then I was looking for stuff for like the next couple hours and saw no more glass. And I'm like, I just gave this lady like the only piece of glass I'm going to find. But I, I realized after that, how much people really sought after those pieces of glass. And I started Mm -hmm. working the tides and I would work storms and I'd go out at three in the morning with flashlights onto the shell piles and I'd find pieces of glass. The locals were starting to get upset because I was figuring (laughs) out how to get all their glass. I just took it home and I started making elephant necklaces where I would use the glass as the bead cage stuff, but that really wasn't the art part of it. I moved into that when I started making little tiny Easter eggs and I was painting the eggs on the clear glass and shaping them and doing it. And, And I sold hundreds of these and people were just really into that part of the art so we were leaving for a tso tour one year and i took a bunch of clear and some green glass with me to on the road and the little thing that i used to cut and i just started cutting objects and things on the larger pieces of sea glass and i was making christmas trees and santa claus and rudolph and the grinch and other things and for some reason i was just able to recreate anything in a glass form. I'm not the greatest artist in the world. I mean, I could draw, but my, my drawings kind of look just okay. They're not, they're right. not terrible. They're not great, but it's not anything that I would actually think I'd be able to sell or, or be proud of as a form of art. And I started making these sea glass things and people love them. And I think throughout the last, I think it's been a little bit over a year and a half now that I've been selling these and that probably have sold at least 80 pieces of art. And some of them are pretty large. And you know, I I would have hundreds of pieces of glass on some of these items where I would, you know, do giant eggs and snowmen and things like that. And I just have gotten into that where I just did my Christmas in July stuff and people I don't even list that I'm selling these things. People are searching my website merch store to find out really? when they go. And then they buy them instantly. I just actually did a um one I made out of tile for somebody of that Chris Oliva guitar that has the roses on it. That's okay. um Pretty, pretty cool. I actually took little pieces of guitar strings and cut them to make the guitar fret. So the thing's very, very detailed. But for me, it's it's kind of soothing. You know, it, it it's something I enjoy doing. I like watching the results. And it seems to me this is really nothing I can run out as far as ideas of things to make in art. And it's just something that's fun. I mean, I find Tons of glass now. I've found places where I know where to go. I've got my little secret lookouts for, for glasses up here in the north, and there's actually right. way more way more glass up here. Some of it may not be as cultured and aged as the stuff you'll find on the beaches in the Caribbean in Florida. It's fun to make that art and there's just so many things that I could do with it and so many places I could go. My my big thing is just trying to find time to do everything that it is that I do. You know, if I if I spend the day doing an art piece, I usually lose my time that I would have been songwriting. So you kinda <laughs> yeah. you, you balance them out, but but it's a lot of fun. And like I said, I give money to, to children's cancer charities and to the elephant sanctuary and also through Wilbur, you know, he had, originally my big idea with him was to have him have children's clothing to do that and now we finally, I've, I've opened up a new metal Finch shop on the internet through Zazzle with that. And there's about 200 and, or actually right now, I think it's 300 different items of different artwork that's done for mm-hmm. um, Wilbur's, Wilbur's new stuff. And the artist that did my last solo record, he's a Russian guy named Vladimir Barkov. He actually did a lot of this new art for Wilbur and he's working on a calendar. So these things are really growing. And I'm I'm kind of looking now into trying to find some major retail to, to help pick up development and sales of of the metalfin thing and that's that's stuff that i enjoy doing i like watching people fill their homes with other items than the music i mean especially since the actual music sales went down so much i mean everybody listens to your music but there's a big huge difference between what it used to be you know when everybody bought your cds to when everybody's when everybody's downloading or listening to songs and i think with this it just gives me a way to to feel like i'm a you know i'm a part of the of people's lives the way I used to be where you you really actually physically enter their homes. And it's fun for me. I mean, as I get a little bit older, I, I enjoy the traveling and I enjoy the touring, but I also enjoy, you know, being able to, do things from my home too. I've traveled for thirty five years. It's not that I'm tired of traveling and want to stop, but sometimes I do appreciate the time at home. And it's not as easy as it was to travel in the past. I mean the way of course, yeah. The way airports are now and, and the security and everything else like that. It's sometimes a little bit more I always tell people the, the, the worst parts of the tours for me are the beginning and the end. I hate leaving to get there and I hate coming back home because it's just always so stressful to do those two things I mean I I never do anything actually wrong but I walk to these metal detectors and I feel like I'm you know in a a police lineup (laughs) it's crazy (laughs) what it makes you feel you don't even feel you know you're they're paying money and supporting that whole entire airport by buying plane tickets and then you feel like you've done something absolutely wrong if you've got too large of a tube of toothpaste in your bag it's really crazy
0: it's good to have other things outside of what you do. I mean, I, I've thought about the fact that, you know, when we were growing up, you know, no one anticipated that. Uh, I'm sure you didn't anticipate that 35 years later, you'd probably still be touring the world and still playing metal and, and hard rock and, and whatever else. And there's a certain point where it gets it does wear you down and get tiring. And, and there's other there's people who obviously clearly gone into other pursuits. Some people, for example, like it, Trevor Rabin from Yes, you know, and other people have gone into Danny Elfman from Wango Boingo go into doing soundtracks.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. So the extension. soundtrack and, and movie thing is something I really would love to get into one day. It's just I'm in a I'm in a part of New York right now that's still under the development stage. I mean, Orange County is. is on the verge of bursting as far as a, um, an area for development and business and movies right. are moving. A lot of movie studios are moving up here and a lot of actors and are moving into the Hudson Valley and along the, the Hudson River and properties up here. So but It's not like I live out in Hollywood and everywhere I go, it's like, oh, meet my friend, he does a movie. Hey, you got a song? I mean, because I've done a few songs for movies and there's, there's really good, good money in that but I don't see yeah. the same opportunities for me it's 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 good to have these other outlets because you never you know you never are guaranteed to know what's what's going on with music that's why I've always been so blessed with Paul and Neil as, as a part of my life in TSO because it's like I I was lucky to have somebody that did everything he did for the music with Paul and for the art and for the fans and everything involved with it I mean we always kept things you know going at a certain level and you know, I was lucky to have an individual in my life and my career that no matter how situations got with any of the bands I was in, we always kept a certain level because of Paul. And, um, I was fortunate with that. Not, not everybody is. And that, that, uh, Business has changed a lot. It just definitely has. You can't do anything about that. I mean, record companies used to have five different A&R guys that would fly around the country signing bands. It's like now they don't even have one A&R guy. They just have a boss that goes, do you want this record? Okay, yeah, signs a piece of paper and they, they throw it against the wall. Maybe it'll sell, you know, 10 to 50,000 units. They don't even sell that many anymore of certain things. So it's wow. just weird.
0: The whole industry's changed. Well, the High River Sauces has been around for almost a decade now.
1: Yeah, it's closing in. I think this is the eight or nine coming up the years since my first thoughts hit, hit the uh, market. I think it's eight years this year. May, now, maybe more, but I'm going to say eight in September.
0: You started, was it, was it uh, Tears of the Sun?
1: Yeah, Tears of the Sun was my first one. And then I had okay. Grapes of Wrath. And yep. I had a few other ones that are being developed to go out. Now, Tears has had a couple different layers. Um, there was some private reserves of that. I have actually a blueberry pancake syrup kind of sauce that's coming out soon and a hot sauce yeah and i have a um (laughs) it's like a thai coconut one that's kind of i've been trying to make one of the first white sauces it's really hard to get that color to remain but that that we're hoping to get out by halloween this year too so i just you know i keep releasing things that the company the more we develop the more we could put into it we don't we didn't want to have a lot of these hot sauce companies have like 30 recipes and they put them out there and and you got to keep reproducing all these different ones because it is all food. I mean, you they're not good after a certain period of time. They they have a lifespan, you know, as as being real, you know, organic foods inside those bottles. So if you make too many kinds, you have to sell them all and a lot of times it's just smarter to have a, a smaller number of really strong items that go to everybody. Like most of the stuff that we sell we have to reorder, you know, we okay. don't sit there with this huge stock of stuff that we can't get rid of. And I think that's the good part of not having too many sauces. I'd love to have, you know, 50 different hot sauces out there. It's one of those things that I have, you know, lots of different ideas and taste buds and things that I like to make, but, right, right. you know, having the few staple ones is good. I mean, of the Sun has become a really popular name in the hot sauce world. Actually, it's, it's some, one of the most popular items in any of the um the expos we go to for people's hot sauces around the world i mean tears will be as well known and, and sell as much as any sauce that comes to those things
0: and what is the literal shelf life of a bottle of hot sauce like when you buy it how long does it last
1: well that really depends on what the date is on the bottle you know you you could have a bottle like a lot of times i, I think it's about two years from when we get them okay. bi- manufactured to when the the uh Expiration date is, but being two years, there's the chance you could buy one that only has six months left. But you go into a grocery store and there's a lot of things that you get that only have a 10 day lifespan to it anyway. You're buying milk and it's going to be You know, good for longer than that date that's on there. So you just got to check the dates on it. I mean, sometimes you could find ones that are brand new and sometimes you could find ones that are older. It's funny with tears that what I would see with a lot of that one is because of the different fruits that were in it and its orange color. If it got too old, I'd be able to see it turn a little brown in the bottle. Oh, wow. Yeah. And you would look at the day and that's why we got, you know, even more on top of the dates and making sure we didn't manufacture as much at once. And that's the important thing. We, so you don't want to overstock something that has that kind of a lifespan to it. I mean, some of the ones that are a little bit less fruit based, you know, ones that may just be more of the vinegar and the salt and the pepper itself. Sure. That you might you might get a, a longer lifetime because you don't need as much pepper of some of these ones to make it super hot. So if you're if you're just trying to do that, but when you add different elements into it, the lifespan is a little bit less on it, and that just comes out of out of what it is. And of course, once you open things, you know there's a different lifespan to everything once that that jar top
0: is opened. So now take us into like through the development process. If you're going to come up with a new flavor of hot sauce, I mean, how, how do you pick? How do you pick Thai coconut or pick blueberry pancakes? Uh, you know, I, a lot of it comes from. The same way you would write a record.
1: Like, what song didn't I put on the last album? You know, what song type did people like? Do I want to do again? It can't be the same song. And if you're going to do another power ballad, you have to come up with another riff. So I think it's kind of like, all right, if it's not going to be that strong, then you pick from the peppers that are at that level. So you would go to like a jalapeno or a serrano Or Tabasco, you know, you go down on the lower levels of peppers, like, all right, I'm going to start with these. Now, what do I want to make? Do I want to make a red sauce? Do I want to make, you know, a colored sauce? Do I want it to be thick? Do I want it to be thin? And, you know, do I pick a different nationality? Do I want it to be Indian? Do I want it to be a paste? And then you just kind of start working. I mean, a lot of times what I'll do is I'll just stick these, you know, you you boil them is kind of how you start working these. You boil them in vinegar. And then you, you just start throwing in flavors. And then from there, it's funny because the amount of yeah. the amount of time that's spent to, to make some of them, you don't realize just how much hot sauce you ate in okay. the process. If you're going out to dinner and you put a couple drops of hot sauce on your dinner and it's a super hot, it doesn't have a tendency to really be that existent in your body system the next day. But if you're spending a whole entire day cooking a sauce and you've tried this thing like 40 times the next day you get up and you know, you're making hot sauce. It's like, mm. <laughs> I've got that burning ring of fire. It's like, it's just really funny. But I, I mean, a lot of it has to do for me sometimes with whatever peppers grew the best in my yard. If I have a good crop of ghost peppers, I'll try something with that. And And I think, you know, when I did the Grapes of Wrath one, I just wanted to have something that, you know, could have been something to put on some of the holiday stuff and maybe switch it for something with with the turkey. So I I put in, you know, an an idea that I saw from somebody's recipe they had with a a sauce for a a barbecued shrimp, which I knew was kind of purple esque. And I asked the guy what he had in it and, and it had in some of that pickled red cabbage in it and I kind of used some of that with the red wines and the habaneros to make the grapes of wrath one and I also threw in some some pumpkin pie spices to give it that really cool kind of effect of the fall into the sauce and that's just kind of how you do it I mean you you throw things around when I did Tears of the Sun I just I knew what my one friend had made with sauces and I kind of just wanted to do something mixing a bunch of fruits together so I basically similarized their colors so that they would all work together And that's the other thing with peppers. I mean, a a jalapeno pepper would be green and then it'll turn red. So you you take the jalapenos when they're green and you can make a green jelly. If you wait till they turn red, your jelly can be red. And it's just kind of how you go from there. I mean, that's that's other recipes. I mean, I've made jalapeno jellies. I've made different mustards. I've made, you know, queso, some, some queso mixes and I've had a, a marinara sauce and, and barbecue sauces. So there's probably, like I said, of, you know, at least another 15 recipes that I have that I make and I've had in small jars and I bring to festivals that I haven't released as its own sauce yet. And that's just a matter of it having the right opportunity to happen i mean my one friend ed curry he's the gentleman who invented the carolina reaper pepper and he's always okay. flying me down there to work in his kitchens and with his different pepper mashes because those mashes are that he makes are the ones that are going to like campbell soup is making something spicy they'll buy five gallon jugs of mashed peppers from ed i mean he has thousands of, of acres of 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 pepper plants and he You know, he has what we would have as a five-gallon jug to put tar on your driveway. He has it full of Reaper mash and habanero mash and ghost mash and scorpion mashes. And he sells these to other companies to make their their food. So I'll go down there and work with him. And and it's just like it's a matter of finding the the peppers. I mean, he had some white ghost peppers, which were the things I used for the original recipe of that Thai coconut stuff. And until I have that white pepper again— a yellow pepper or something else will put a tint into the color of that sauce. So that has a big part to do with it too. And it has to do with coloring. Cause a lot of these things you don't use any food coloring for the colors happen out of the colors
0: of the, of the fruits and the, and the peppers. Right. Right. So now are there any specific foods that you think of to pair these with? I mean, is it sort of an all purpose kind of hot sauce or do you, are they, are they better for ribs or better for wings? Well, obviously with the, the ones that are
1: sweeter, sometimes they don't naturally match some things as well. I mean, so that's where some of your your sauces that go more towards like the Worcestershire, I call it that end, you know, where you have the savory stuff. I mean, those will be better as, you know, certain red meat and steak hot sauces or ones that I'll use use to make beef jerkies. But I mean, something like Tears of the Sun. Yeah, I, I think that, Sometimes your, your sweeter, lighter sauces are better with things like fish and chicken than they would be with the other ones, but it's just the same kind of thing. It's like you're, you're looking in a, um, an Indian restaurant or a Mexican restaurant or a Chinese restaurant. Sometimes just the pepper itself is all you need to put on some of these foods. So when you're making your sauces, you kind of figure like, all right, well, what, what level of heat did I like on this? And then you figure, well, did I really, you know, do I want to turn this burrito flavor that I want to add sweetness that I want to add this. And then you just kind of think of what direction works on, on sending things in different directions. You know, when I make a, a marinara sauce, for instance, you know, it's just kind of taking the same idea of putting crushed red pepper into it. But just doing it bionically with, you know, red, some of the Red Reapers or something like that to where the tomato sauce, you know, doesn't get overwhelming to the point where you can't eat it, but it'll get very spicy. So you just
0: kind of you kind of match it. It's a it's a mix and match sort of thing. So when you're going out on tour with TSO or anybody else, I mean that how do you sort of bring up the idea of promoting your hot sauce or do, do certain people are certain people cool with it? other people like, no, I shouldn't do that. Is it ever really an issue?
1: Um, I have my own website separate from the music and I always let, you know, people are always pretty aware of what we do. I don't hide my life from things. I mean, I, I don't sit there and advertise obviously other things while I'm out on the road with, with TSO as you know, when you meet people, if I'm out in a restaurant or on a road, or if I see somebody in an airport and they're, you know, you run into food company executives, you'll just run into them and say, hey, and I throw people a business card or something. But I mean, as far as the other thing goes, it's just my personality on the internet is kind of just been Chris Caffrey and people know to expect a lot of different things. So they're always looking for something different that might pop out from me. So, I mean, it is a blessing in that way to be able to be on the road for a large group of people that, your demographic and the amount of people obviously that pay attention to what you do increases tremendously when you're on, on the road with a band like TSO than it is right now. I mean, most of those, a lot of those people are on their summer vacations are not paying attention to anything you do at all. But when yeah. you go on the road, they're, they're watching everything that you do. So, I mean, there's, and there's fan pages and people in those that will say, Hey, I, I bought something Chris Capri did. And this is one of his hot sauce. You'd be like, oh, I didn't even know that existed. So, you know, I kind of just keep it as a, a, a public knowledge sort of thing. And it's kind of like you're, you know, when I have my solo records and, and people show up at those shows with, with their t-shirts on. It's just, you know, it's, it's what you do. It's part of your life. So, you know, there's, there's fans that I have that get into the other things that I do. And there's fans of the other things that I do that get into the music side of what I do. I mean, there's people that I've met in the other industries that didn't even know who my bands were yeah so it's not a huge number with tso because you know at the start of tso i'd go through airports and you know maybe one out of 10 people or one out of 20 people would know who tso is and now it's the other way around it's like maybe one out of 100 people doesn't so i mean with that it's just at a level where everybody seems to know who that band is but i mean you just kind of do it with like anything else i just make people aware of it. I think mean, the hardest thing to do with any of that stuff is just making sure the retail changes right. to a different level and people are able to find it. So where can I find this? And that's where, you know, okay. being able to sell stuff through like high river sauces online or my merchandise stores is, is good places for people to pick things up. Cause not everything's going to be in every store. I mean, the hot sauce, there's a lot of those peppers stores, they're called, that they're around, and, and you know, there are big grocery stores to pick this stuff up. But it's, it's hard to get into some of them, I and mean, it's expensive. Sure. And they all something like a Walmart. And then not only do you nail getting into the store, but you got to pay for shelf spots. You know, it, it, there's a whole industry behind that. You know, and some of these grocery stores, they, they say, "Oh, we'll take you on, but we want to get your sauce for X amount of dollars." Well, somebody like Tabasco sells two million bottles of hot sauce a day. They can sell their hot sauce for cheap because they have such a high volume that it doesn't cost them that much to make a bottle of Tabasco. But these grocery right. stores will hit us, they'll hit us up to buy our sauces for less than it costs us to make them. You know, so you, you have that kind of a problem where, you know, you, you can't lose money on it. And some of right. them will be yeah. like, well, here's the thing. We'll take 1200 bottles of, of you. Cause there's like 12 bottles in a case so They'll, they'll make it out to be a hundred cases. We'll take that from you, but we want them for free. And we want to see what they do. <laughs> it's like, oh, so we're just going to give you a thousand bottles. And you want to see what it does.
0: That's like, that's so, like writers and photographers like, well, you're going to get exposure. It's like, yeah, no thanks.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, but there's a lot of the people that work with you and we'll go up and, and like when Price Topper did our sauces. I'd go up and into their corporate headquarters and we'll sit there and their cafeteria there had a whole entire menu for lunch that had different recipes of all of our sauces and we'll sit there and meet the people and give them merchandise and i'll take pictures with the tso fans and and everybody else that goes through so i mean the whole thing works all together for me you know in in the ways that it is it's a good thing and there's you know all the ones that i'm doing are successful and they're all really classy and there's you know all good things behind everything i'm doing so it, it really seems to work well together all the stuff that i do
0: Like, I mean, I've spoken to Joe Perry and Michael Anthony in the past because both of them have hot sauces. Have you tried any of the the, the rock competition (laughs) sauces?
1: I mean, yeah, I've I've tried a lot of things. I know a few of my friends make them. Like I said, Eddie from Twisted Sister, he he has some stuff. And uh, Bumblefoot does. Ron's got some good stuff. There's not a whole lot. And the thing is with that, and that's the difference between high river sauces and doing what these other people did. And ultimately, why Joe Perry's hot sauce only wound up in the Hard Rock Cafe is because it said Joe Perry's hot sauce on it. And none of my stuff says Chris Caffrey's hot sauce. It doesn't even have my name. You see mm. Tears of the Sun, you see the High River label, and it's you're not going to get taken that seriously by the food industry unless you're Paul Newman. You know, It's like you put Newman on it and you, <laughs> you give your money to charity, and that's a different kind of thing. But it's really hard To go higher, I mean, I see, like, you go into a store and you'll see Bon Jovi's parents' spaghetti sauce, which is actually pretty good, is in those stores. But, I mean, he's not selling it as a John Bon Jovi, but even having that Bon Jovi name on it, it, it's one of these things where it's not as easy to do. Sammy Hagar, you know, he didn't release Sammy Hagar tequila and make $100 million. He had Cabo Waba, you know, it was like it was a completely different kind of thing you know or whatever one was the I think that was the big tequila company that he had and, and sold one of one of the ones he did but it's like he, you put out things that if you stick your name on it, it just becomes a little bit different than what it is that you're doing it's not like you're releasing music you're releasing something completely different so i mean that's why the metal thing is it's like the, the little elephant everything he does isn't named after me at all it's all in his world and it's centered towards children and the food stuff is all in that food world and it's centered towards the foodies and the hot sauce thing so right, right. you know there's there's a lot of, of uh, Music Even- people that put put them out. I see a lot of them, and then there's like nowadays, there's seven hundred million different people putting out coffee. I mean, that's the the new thing. It's funny because <laughs> a lot true, of yeah, those, a lot of those artists that are putting out those things have contacted me, asking me how I can help get them started with those type of things so it's like I think because of how big high river was in the the hot sauce world and not a lot of the people want to go and even try to compete with it so they're going to different things so I know coffee is one that everybody seems to have a coffee out nowadays and and me personally is like I, I don't know I don't know if I taste tasted different I love coffee but I don't even know if I taste a difference between one or another I mean it's just some that are different you usually put something in it and it tastes different anyway so it's like here, here here's some hot sauce for your coffee <laughs> I, I, mean, I don't know, it's, but it's it's all <laughs> cool. I mean, it's it's nice to see that. I mean, I'm really happy to see friends of mine like like how big Ellison's coffee's getting. I mean, he's he's everywhere, and then of course, everybody yeah. has their their beer and their wines and everything else that they do all the time. So you know, it, it's great. I mean, as, when we travel the world as musicians, we have a tendency to try more different types of coffee, more different types of spirits, and and more different types of these things that people are selling so i mean to have that experience put into products that we you know feel we would enjoy or have other people enjoy i think it's pretty cool to see all these people doing those things i mean it's it's great it makes me happy to see that that's a part of other musicians and artists lives and careers too to have that kind of thing going on
0: have you ever done any crossover between wilbur the mellifant and high river sauces
1: no, he hasn't really crossed with the high river yet. He's always he always shows up at the conventions and people are always wanting to take his picture. He's very famous. It's weird. I have you know. He's more famous <laughs> than me. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I haven't really crossed the. Uh, I don't really think there's a reason to. I mean, every once in a while he'll he, There's some art. There's actually. Some art, my his kitchen line that came out, there's a little line you could see of him working with some of the Tears of the Sun and, and the Grapes of rats stuff as far as the, what the the sun is doing to make those little live pieces of fruit and peppers that are in those cartoons. But, um yeah, there hasn't really been a Wilbur brand of anything. You know, if, if anything with Wilbur, I'm, I'm actually living in the town that has uh, the brand new Lego amusement park coming legoland new york is coming here and when one oh, day wow. i'd love to approach them and, and see if i can get a wilbur lego made but I mean, that's that type of thing would be would be a lot of fun but um he hasn't had his own hot sauce yet but i, I wouldn't put it past him to be able to accomplish that he's a very popular guy
0: well thank you thank you chris i really appreciate it
1: no thank you very much it was it was good to uh it's nice to talk about some different things sometimes and, and to be able to uh let people know about some of these other other projects that i have going on if they don't because they um they do have a lot of um a lot of positive things to all of them i mean all, all the outside things i do like i said there's there's some really good energy to it and especially with the wilbur thing it's 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 helping a lot of different places too with this charity work so it's good to see it grow and and, and for it to, to wind up as a part of people's
0: lives that wraps up this latest episode of side jams please join me for the next episode which will be coming soon The tunes used in this podcast are from Fox and The Law, and I licensed them through AudioSocket. As always, thank you very much for listening.